What's good, family? You're tuned in to Do The Work Podcast, the place where commitment meets transformation, man. I'm your host, Harold McGee Jr., and I believe that dedication can rewrite destinies and that the journey to mental wellness is a path worth walking. Real talk. Each week, we dive deep into the topics and stories of men who face the odds, who've turned their setbacks into comebacks and transformed their fears into purpose. If you're ready to be inspired, to be challenged, and to do the work necessary for your own mental wellness and growth, then you're in the right place, man. Let's go. All right. So look, man, in part one, I talked about from childhood, from birth, pretty much all the way up to high school. Uh, how I suffered so much stuff. You know, Check that episode out if you haven't listened to it or watched it. But this episode, I'm going to jump right into my testimony for uh, what happened in high school, up into college, and now where we are today with my lovely wife and three children doing a podcast, talking to my family right here. <laughs> okay. So in high school, like after high school, by the grace of God, I graduated high school. I was still a smart kid. You know what I'm saying? I've always been a smart kid. And so I graduated high school, top 10 in my class. And I got a schol- I got two scholarships, no, three scholarships. I got three scholarships and I ended up going to SIU. I was going to go to Michigan Technological Institute, um, the other MIT, <laughs> um, or MTI. I'm sorry. I just made a joke and it didn't even make sense. My bad. But I was going to go to MTI, Michigan Technological Institute. And I was accepted. My heart was set on it, but the tuition was like 25 G's, like a year. Like it was out of state. It was out of mind. It was outrageous. And it was cold up there. I didn't even realize it. But um, they actually had a hockey team, my guy. Like for real. (laughs) Shout out to MTI, man. I was going to go there for real, for real. But I ended up going to SIU. Um, my, my guidance counselor was like, Harold, you're a bright kid. You you should go apply to SIU in-state tuition for the engineering program. And I was like, cool, whatever. I'm just trying to get as far away from Peoria as I can and stay in-state. And they was, she was like, if you want to do that, go to go to Carbondale. And that's where I went. And so uh, by the grace of God, I got it. I, I, I got out of Peoria and I went to college in Carbondale. And so in the narrative that I was showing with you guys, I'm sharing the narrative that I shared in the opening of my message that I shared on first Wednesday um, at my church. And so by the grace of God, this young man, which is me, makes it to college and gets married while still in college. I got married my junior year, y'all. Like that was a big deal. That was, I won't say crazy. It was, it was insane. But um. His marriage starts off horrible and his wife threatening to leave him only uh, only after only three years um, of marriage because of his porn addiction, financial problems, anger issues and anger issues that accompanies it. And so and then I go on to say on the outside, he meaning I is this model uh, is, is the model spirit filled Christian guy who has been discipled, leads Bible study, serves faithfully at their church, has a wonderful wife and kids, but because of his because his wife is fed up to the point of divorce, and he doesn't want to be seen as a failure in the eyes of his kids and fellow church folk, quotation marks around quote, church folk, who look up to him, he is now having suicidal ideations. And so what was going on is um, I get married. But I have all this baggage and damage that is undealt with. And I bring it into marriage. 
and she starts seeing it. Now, in premarital, we went through a lot of stuff. We went through a lot of stuff, and I shared a lot of stuff. I got vulnerable about a lot of stuff, and we got in a nitty gritty. But even in premarital, like you still go home. Like you don't see each other. Like we only saw, like my wife was going to NIU, I was going to SIU. And so we only saw each other at the premarital meeting. <laughs> and so we were living away, um, long distance. So I never had to deal with her. If I got mad, I just didn't answer the phone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or I hung up. And so, but when we got married and she moved in with with me, or I should say we moved in together because I didn't, she didn't move into my place. She was like, I'm not staying there. But um, we moved in together and she starts singing the real me, the, the day in, day out Harold. And uh, she didn't like it. <laughs> she didn't like him. <laughs> I had a lot of growing to do. I had to get acclimated to sharing my life. I had to get acclimated to being married and not being single. I had to get acclimated to being, to, to not having boundaries with women and then having boundaries um, with them to protect my wife and I relationship. And so I'm going to go over this in detail in the uh, uh, Life Unscripted podcast with my wife so that I get it all right because she's going to be there to correct me. <laughs> but And you get to hear her perspective. Like I think it's very important that you hear my wife's perspective about all of this um, too because she lived through it with me. And it was not easy. So the first three years of our marriage was really rough. Like she wanted to divorce me. And it wasn't like, oh, I want to divorce you. It was like, no, like I am about to divorce you because this is ridiculous. Like you've been given chance after chance and and you're getting worse. And I wasn't sorry that I was like ruining our marriage. I was sorry that I kept getting caught. I was remorseful for being caught. I wasn't remorseful for the sin. I actually enjoyed the sin of it. I just didn't like the fact that I had got caught. And so God had to work in my heart to get me to hate the actual sin and not the effects of being caught in the sin, but the sin itself. And so that's a whole message on itself and a whole topic of discussion that I won't get in right now. But it's important that you start to hate the sin instead of hating the consequences of the sin, because you will always have a back door open or a safety net there to fall into that thing again if you don't despise it and cut off all ties to it. Um, yeah. So we will dive deep into that with my wife because she could tell you some stories that will blow your mind about your boy and the the shenanigans that I was that I was up to. But um, I said I was a model Christian, man. I I had been discipled. I had I I was leading Bible studies on, on SIU campus. I was a president of the Christian organization that I was a part of. I was serving in the church. Like I was, I was the model guy, but I was a tyrant at home, bro. Like I was out of control with it. And, um, and I believe that women pick up on a man who's willing to cross the line. Like they know it. Like I, I believe that they, that they like, yo, I think he's willing to do it. I think he's willing to. To push it a little, little, little further than anyone else is willing to push it, and so like I was, I was a, I was oblivious to a lot of my blind spots that shouldn't have been blind blind spots as a married man. 
Like there's some things that you're like oblivious to because they're a blind spot. You're not, you don't see them. Someone has to show you them. Like you have to look over your shoulder to see it. You can't see it looking in the mirror. And so there was a blind spots that should not have been blind spots. They should have been common sense knowledge for a married man. But because I was young, I was new to this married thing. No one had really showed me and told me about how to behave and how to cut ties and how it was weird. It was really weird. And I didn't want to let go of some things. And there was a whole friendship phase where I'm like, oh, she my friend. We've been knowing each other for a long time. And my wife was like, you're an idiot. She is not your friend. You is not going to keep talking to her. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> and so, um, And so my wife, she saw the anointed herald because our gifts are without repentance. Right. That's what the Bible say. And then she saw the 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 um, out of control tyrant herald at home with yell, scream, throw things, break things and pretty much lost my doggone mind. You know what I mean? And because of that, she had had enough and she wanted she wanted a divorce. And so me being so performance oriented and so people pleasing and so reputation driven. I didn't want to be seen as a failure. That was like the ultimate thing in my mind. And I didn't want to be known and remembered as a failure. And I just like, I saw what doing, being honest did to people in church. And so I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm not, no matter how much Bible you preach, you are not the forgiving type. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I was I was committed to secrecy because that's what the church had really built into my spirit. But on the other side of, of um, so because his wife had been, um, oh, I, I read that part. Um, he is going through life, trying to hold on to everything, trying to hold everything together long enough to build up the courage to take his own life. He increases his life insurance policy. I had actually increased it to the max, which was like half a mil. Yeah, half a million dollars. And um, the sad thing was um, I knew some people in the military who had attempted suicide in a way that would not be classified as suicide, but so that their family could get taken care of. And so I had counseled some soldiers. In, the, in those situations, I had counseled some soldiers in those situations, and I, this, the enemy had me so deceived, yo, like, I thought I was really doing the right thing, like, I really thought, like, this was the best case scenario for everyone involved, even my children, like, that was crazy, um, but I had increased my life insurance policy and I started inviting people to our home every weekend so that we can hang out and we would call them fellowships. Everybody that I enjoyed, I liked and loved, I would invite to our house and we would just start having these fellowships. And like, and the crazy part was I was having these fellowships at my house to hang out with people that I love because in my mind I was going to commit suicide. But because I said, because I was inviting all these people to our house and we were just kicking it, we was having fun, we was eating, we was playing games. Like our, our, our Bible study group, our ministry start growing. Our ministry was growing tremendously because of the things that I were doing in preparation for suicide. And it was crazy. I was just looking at the growth and I was just like, man, like, 
wow, all these people are gonna miss me. But <laughs> but um I wanted to hang out with them one last time. In the midst of my planning to take my own life, my wife had a dream. And afterwards, she tells me that if I get help, both from the church and a therapist, that she will stay. But if I don't, she will expose me for the porn addicted, condescending, manipulative narcissist that I was. And this devastated me. Because the whole point of me taking my life was to leave without anyone ever knowing what was really going on with me in hopes that my wife would have enough shame and guilt from from my death that she would never tell the truth about me and our marriage. And that and now I was left with a decision. Do I get help and become vulnerable or do I move up my plans? And end it all that day. And I say that with a straight face, healed, whole, set free. I can I can look back on there and I can see the grace of God on my life. Because I was in a dark place. I was in a very dark place. And my wife knew, like, yeah, the church itself is not enough. Like you need some real help. You need some people who are going to be invested into you and, and church people from our experience, not all churches don't do well with the soul care of people who are leaders, you know, and who are seen as the models in the, in the, in the church or in the body. Because it's devastating, man. It's devastating. And we're doing better. Like a lot of churches are really doing better with that, man. You see the different stories and unfortunately document, whole documentaries about people failing and, and getting the help that they need. But still, so many people are like counting them off. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm never going to follow that dude again. He's such a hypocrite and liar. But that was me, yo. That was me. And I was like so devastated. But I was like, my wife is willing to fight for this marriage. I want to be in that place too. And I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit was like, this is going to work for you. Like, this is going to work. Like I've been prayed for before. I've been had had hands laid on me before. I've had all type of things to try to get past the addiction and the problems and the issues, but I needed intentional help and thank god that all the people that i went to were christians they were christians but they were professionals in their craft and their and their um respective vocation and so the per the first person that i went to was um older lady in our church miss norma bless her heart she walked me through inner healing dealing with a lot of the 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 childhood traumas and the and the emotions and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the and the narcissism and the hardened heart and the and the performance orientation and the abandonment and it was a lot of things that she kind of pulled out of my of my life story and dealt with on a spiritual level of healing from the inside out and that went on for about a year I walked through that no I'd say about a year and a half. 
And then I went to therapy for Peer Life Ministries uh, with professional therapists and counselors. And um, my man's who was assigned to me in that, we were together for, I think, nine, six or nine months. And that was phenomenal, which built even more. Um, he was the one who pointed out to me how narcissistic I was. And I was like, yo, I'm not a narcissist. And he was like, yes, you are. I'm like, bro, you are a straight textbook narcissist. And I was like, yo, calm down. Hold on. Like, what you where you coming with this, bro? Like, like, like you really, you really calling me a narcissist right now. And um he gave me a simple test. I was so embarrassed. He said, write down all the things that you're grateful for. And I said, okay. This is too easy. Right doing all the things I'm grateful for. Good for my wife, my job, my kids, money, paying the bills. You know what I'm saying? For my gifting, for my talent, for my anointing, for how the Lord used me, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? My skills, my, my education. Um, thank God for all, I'm, I'm thanking God for all this stuff. And then he, he, he looks at me. I turn to Dan and he says, he says, look, man. Everything on this list is centered around you. Even, even the things that you're grateful for, for your wife and your kids, it's, it's, it's you. He says, nothing on this list is geared towards God or towards your family. That's narcissism. I was like, oh, come on, bro. That ain't fair, dog. And he was, he was legit. And I broke down. Man, I broke down. I repented. I was Psalms 51 all over again, man. I lived in Psalms 51 like daily. And God showed me that because of the damage and the pain and the experiences that I survived, I had to be self-centered to survive. I had to look out for self to survive. But he says, now you're not surviving, my guy. You're not just surviving now. You have a whole wife and children and people who look up to you that that you don't have to put yourself first anymore. Now, when you put yourself first, you're a jerk. You're a legit whole jerk. Then you were just surviving. You was a kid. You didn't know no better. You was just surviving. You was a child. But he says, you're a man now. It's time to put away your childish things. Narcissism, selfishness, eye syndrome. That's childish. That's what kids do. Since you're grown now, you got to be selfless. You got to love an agape love. You got to be that guy who's willing to give his last for the ones he love. And I'm like, you're right. I don't do those things. <laughs> I don't feel that way. And I really had to, to ask God to take my heart of stone and change it to a heart of flesh to where I'm not centered around myself and I could be centered around those who have been entrusted to me and who I love and care about. And and that was a, a game changer in my life. And um, after that, I went into another round of counseling because I was also at the time a pastor in training. And um, I had shared with 
the denomination that I was in that I had struggled with pornography and that I had been through therapy and inner healing and been free so many years or months or whatever it was at the time. And they was like, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, it ain't enough for us. You got to get some more counseling. <laughs> at first I was mad. I was like, yo, I did the right thing. I was vulnerable, but now you cats are just using it to just tell me I'm horrible. But my spiritual mother was like, you needed to get that in the light because now the enemy can't bring that up years later when your ministry is thriving and say, oh, what about that? Everybody knows now. It can't be just against you. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I I get I go I go through it. <laughs> and so I go through all of that healing, all of that uh, inner healing, therapy, counseling, different people, retelling my story, re-going through the healing, and and each time I was able to tell it without breaking, without you know, having that um oh man type moment, you know what I'm saying? And so I each each level of healing I was able to share freer. Like I am doing now. Like I've never been able to share it so free now. Like I like back then. Like it's even better now. Like I was still like struggling through it at some points, you know. But now I'm like healed, healed. <laughs> still a man and works through things. That's why I have accountability. That's why I have a community. That's why I have boundaries. But I'm free, man. I'm free. And there's nothing in my past. There's nothing that I've gone through. There's nothing that I've done that you can bring up that I can be like, yo, the blood of God, the blood of Jesus covered that. And I'm good, bro. Like I've done the work and I'm good. By God's grace, I've done the work and I'm good. <laughs> you feel me? And so, um, so that was very important. And so that's kind of the, 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 the testimony and the story that I have, you know, and and God, every year, man, building up that trust back, that was, that was, that was, that's, it took longer for me to build the trust back up with my wife than it did the years that it took me to go through therapy to deal with my baggage. Like, for real, like, it took a lot. But I understood, I understood, and, and because I was the one who had broken that trust. I had to be willing to do what it took to to regain that trust. And and I had to keep reminding myself, even when I thought like, okay, this is ridiculous. You know that I ain't on, on like, this is crazy. I had to remind myself, no, you, it's worth it. You deserve it. Like, do the work. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, like that was, that was it. And so, um, to wrap up this episode, man, like that was my testimony building on the first part. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode of Do the Work. Thank you again for joining us and being a part of this transformative journey. Remember, every person we've spoken to, every story we've shared serves as a testament to the power of dedication, resilience, and the unyielding spirit of the human soul. Your journey, your story is uniquely yours. But in each challenge, remember, there's an opportunity to rewrite your narrative, to choose freedom over fear, and to build a legacy that resonates for generations to come. Thank you for tuning in and being an active participant in your growth journey. Q.
keep showing up, keep doing the work, especially when it comes to your mental health. And until next time, take the lessons, embrace the journey, and always do the work. Peace.